89.9 The Light, you're in community conversation with Clayton and our US correspondent, all things US election. He's been joining us this past little while and we've got him for a bonus edition is Jeremiah Beck is with us. Jeremiah, clearly the election was rigged uh, 100%, oh. <laughs> 100% because Kanye is not the president. What's going uh, on? What's going and on? He ran, he ran uh, under the birthday party. That was what he said. Not the Republican Party or the Democratic Party or even the Libertarian Party. He was running as the, the birthday party and he didn't register. He didn't no. register anywhere across the country. No. And look, uh, we've talked, you know, and the reason we had you on for four weeks is that we know this election is one that has ramifications around the world, including here in Australia. Um, and, and that's exactly what happened. It, we, we, in the discussions we talked about as well, election night itself probably wasn't going to call a winner exactly the way it happened as well. It's come down really, really tight. But it seems like Joe Biden has uh, certainly been able to just take away enough uh, to ensure that he is the US president. So what we talked about uh, last week was Joe Biden's path to victory was reclaiming states that Hillary Clinton was incapable of reclaiming, states that Barack Obama had won in 2008 and 2012, what we would call the Rust Belt states and the Sun Belt states, um, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and um, Arizona, Nevada. Those states were the states that everybody considered to be the prime opportunity for Joe Biden, who's positioned himself as more of a blue collar man of the people type of candidate, um, as opposed to Hillary Clinton, who had consistently positioned herself four years ago as sort of the um, standard bearer for a different facet of a traditional Democratic voter. And Biden's campaign strategy was to go after Trump voters in many parts of the country. And it would appear that that strategy paid off barely. Um, it came at the expense of a natural democratic constituency, however, that, um, that I think political analysts and people who are smarter than me are going to be dissecting over the next two and I'm sure four years, because while it would appear that Joe Biden, and by my count right now, Joe Biden has officially claimed 253 of the 270 electoral votes that are required. I know some networks have said 264, but I'm not calling Arizona yet for him because at the, the time of our conversation, there's still 630,000 ballots that are uncounted. So that feasibly could flip flop back to Trump. However, if things hold true, Biden will have retained Arizona. He would have won Nevada. And his victory there would be enough, those two states alone, to give him the victory. And he's well on his way of coming back in Pennsylvania mm. because of the mail-in balloting. And the same in Georgia because of the mail-in balloting. Those two states could also, not that Biden would need them to win, but they could also end up in his category. Ironically, two very interesting political things ended up happening as a result of the way that Donald Trump chose to position voting during the coronavirus pandemic. First, he disparaged the mail-in vote. And as a result of the largest mail-in and absentee vote in the history of our country in an election that is now officially the largest turnout election in our history and by percentage of population, the biggest since 1900, mm. it is overwhelmingly Democratic votes that came in 
in the mail. And that is showing up in exit polling that Republican senior citizen voters opted to not vote by mail because they didn't trust that their vote would be counted, largely because of the way that the president of the United States chose to position voting by mail. And then finally, and I think this is fascinating as well, Donald Trump proved once again to be a phenomenal in-person campaigner. Mm, His rallies motivated people to vote that made this election substantially closer than um, anybody thought that it would be. And anybody who's a political pollster in the United States it probably needs to consider a new profession immediately because there's not going to be a lot of work in that field for most of the people who have now gotten it wrong for three consecutive election cycles. But because Donald Trump and members of his campaign contracted coronavirus because of their uh, cavalier attitude and wearing masks and conducting themselves the way that they did during the pandemic, they lost weeks of in-person campaign opportunities that many analysts are now saying, had the president been able to travel to Arizona more, to Nevada more, to Pennsylvania, to Michigan, to Wisconsin, more often as he had planned to, that two week layoff of his campaign may have ended up being the difference maker in keeping his people less energized and getting out to the poll. So just a phenomenal shift in election demographics in tiny little ways leading to a substantive change in the national vote. Yeah. Um, look, there's a lot so of wonkiness many... there, sorry. No, you're, you're fine. I think it's helpful for people to understand. And I, I think, you know, you, you've explained it in a, enough of a layman's language, Jeremiah, too. Uh, look, so many people over the time, whether you're a massive Trump supporter or not, have had to agree that Trump has said some outlandish, crazy things um, as we go through. I, there was a, a number of people I was reading who were saying, possibly the, the one of the worst things that he has ever said was what he actually said on election night itself um, because of the fact that it was the president of the United States fundamentally uh, questioning the entire way that democracy was being run uh, in the United States itself, which it prides itself on being, you know, one of the, the world's leading democracies. Um, do you read it like that as well? And I suppose that the, the long-term ramifications of something like that um, let alone even just the short term. So the long-term ramifications, we're going to have to wait and see because the Trump presidency has wrecked so many conventional thought processes about how a president and a presidency should function. But I'm of the opinion that this is largely attributed to Donald Trump and that there are very few people that will come after Donald Trump that will be like Donald Trump yeah. in order to pull off do and say the things that Donald Trump has been able to get away with pulling off doing and saying. It's just a unique, and I use that term loosely, but a very unique political personality that not everyone who runs and who functions in politics can get away with saying and doing the things that he does. Donald Trump's methodology in running for office and then running for re-election is to inflame emotionally supporters, to get them excited, energized, and out to the polls. And I read something fascinating in uh, the last 24 hours, and that is uh, Republican voters are no longer Republicans. Republican voters are now Trump supporters. Mm. They're not really aligned with the Republican Party. They are aligned and loyal. They almost have a fealty to the candidate himself. And the real fascinating thing that is going to come of this election, in my opinion, is what seems to be um, uh, 
a realignment of people voting around the issues of the Trump presidency, which have proven to be popular. So you could make the case that the things that Donald Trump espoused ended up being more popular with African-American men, Hispanic voters, than what people had estimated they would have before. However, the messenger of the popular things with which the candidate was espousing proved to be less popular. And my analysis of that is you can only take so much ongoing daily social media, reality television show drama. And I think a certain sector of the electorate agrees with the president that maybe it's time to open up the economy and whatever happens with coronavirus happens. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do. I'm saying that's what I think that the population of the United States is saying, open the economy and just let the chips fall where they may. And I think that people also have a tendency to side on the side of American law enforcement over the racial grievances that we saw being espoused in the streets of major cities in the United States. And the reason I believe that is because African-American men seem to have voted for Donald Trump in numbers that we have never seen a Republican candidate for political office get. And so it would seem, and this is, this is thumbnail analysis the day after an election, that the American people, like Donald Trump's policies, they just don't much care for him. Yeah, really interesting. We're going to be back with Jeremiah Beck in just a couple of moments' time as we continue our conversation on uh, the other side of the U.S. election day here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light in conversation with Clayton and Jeremiah Beck, our U.S. correspondent for all things U.S. election. He's been good, uh, been very generous, I should be saying, to, and he's good as well, uh, to come back again uh, for another week just in the, the aftermath of the U.S. election. Um, Jeremiah, we, we have been talking about the fact that, um, you know, as you mentioned just before, that your take is that there's a lot of people who like what President Trump has been saying. Um, and perhaps the messenger is what's got a, a little bit old in that regards. So there is a, a reflection that I've had from here of, of um, you know, being quite far away that um, th this idea of the fact that, hey, he said some crazy things that seem to have offended a whole lot of people. And my bigger take has actually been that Americans, perhaps as they voted him in uh, as president the first time uh, four years ago, said, well, we don't, maybe he'll change, maybe he's like this, we, we're not quite sure. But they've now seen what he's like. And there is so many people, uh, not a majority, but there is so many people who said, we're, we're okay with that behavior. We're okay with what that is. Uh, we, we espouse those those uh, you know ideas as well. Is that an argument to be had? It's perhaps a little bit of an opposite one to what you've been saying, but is that an okay argument you think to, to talk through? Well, it's one that I'm not entirely surprised might be brought up by someone who's not an American citizen, considering <laughs> the reputation that Americans often have in the rest of the world of being boorish, maybe yeah, would be yeah, a yeah. would be a fair way to say it. So one could make an outside analysis <laughs> that the American people, we are a representative republic, would choose as our representative in the executive branch, someone who probably to the rest of the world looks like a caricature of what many people think 
the average American is. Yep. A gun-toting, fast-food-eating, overweight, loudmouth <laughs> who says whatever it is that they would say and can get away with it because we have a lot of money. Yep, yep, yep. I could see where that would that <laughs> would be something someone might think. And I like to think of myself as introspective. So I'll analyze that. And maybe the next time we talk, I'll give you a more complete answer. All right. Fair enough, too. Um, let's talk specifically about some of um, the, the places that have been, you know, really interesting as we've gone through. And, and you've already mentioned some of those. Um, there's some sort of recent articles that have come out straight after the election that have talked about um, especially for places in Florida, for example, and some more of the minority communities, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Latino voters um, who have come to Trump. One article I was reading was saying, look, a lot of those, because they are sitting in church communities, um, uh, have been moving there, whether it's sort of uh, evangelical Protestants, Protestants Catholics uh, are moving and have moved in quite serious numbers uh, across to the GOP, the, the Republicans and, and Trump, despite the fact um, that, you know, Trump has talked a lot uh, about his dislike of those coming from south of the border and, and coming into to the country. Um, is that a fair reflection as well, you think? I, I think that we're witnessing um, a political realignment in our country. And, and you see those from time to time. I'm less familiar, and I'll admit it, as we just talked about a caricature of Americans. I'm less familiar with Australian politics, uh, certainly not to the degree that you are familiar with American politics. So, you know, it's not an equal, it's not an equal give and take, but there are, there are realignments of, of political groups. Um, uh, uh, African-Americans historically, because of the party of Abraham Lincoln voted Republican um, from the moment they were given the right to vote until really the late 1960s. Martin Luther King Jr., for example, registered Republican. Um, and then there was an alignment, a realignment of political uh, groups. I think you're witnessing that in the United States. I think that the Democratic Party, um, we're watching people align themselves more along psychographic lines as opposed to demographic lines, mm -hmm. where you would lump people in for, you know, by, by race, um, ethnicity, uh, or, or gender. And I think now what you're starting to see is people that are self-selecting or aligning themselves in political parties based on a shared value system. And, and we're watching uh, secular whites um, largely leaving the Republican Party. And you used to see the Republican Party as sort of coastal elite um, facet of the Republican Party. Um, you know, the business class, you know, the ha 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 lovey with the cocktail glass and the, you know, and the business suit was a Republican for many years, um, seems to move away from the Republican Party and being replaced in the Republican Party by white collar or blue collar whites. Um, and that's mostly attributable to jobs that have been lost because of international trade yeah. on the religious side of things. I think that the Democratic Party has done a terrible job of reaching out to minority groups based on their belief systems and instead focusing almost exclusively on their race as their main identifying factor. And I think you're seeing um, Hispanics in certain parts of the country um, opt in uh, as religious business owners who don't want to pay high taxes, 
who are working hard and have identified the government as an obstacle to their 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 yeah. individual economic success. Yeah. So you're you're starting to see, I think, an alignment along psychographic lines, um, religion, um, personal taxation belief that has less to do about ethnicity or or um, or gender, and and much more to do with. These are the things that we hold most important to us, and that is our belief system. Yeah. Um, as we look forward uh, over the next years, it seems like from, uh, and we won't get into all of the, the results here, but it seems like that, you know, we've got a Senate, which is still going to lean probably Republican just. We've got a, a House of Representatives, which is going to lean sort of to the Democrats. And, and, and can I just say, thank yeah. God literally yeah that the election didn't end up tied 269 to 269 because yes. then it would have been up to the democratic controlled house of representatives to decide who our next president was going to be and our country may have torn itself apart yeah. as part of correct great but i suppose what we've got here is uh, the fact that uh, are we about to get stuck into four years of nothing being done because um everything is so divisive we we had an election that wasn't a landslide one way or the other which sort of could have given that always imaginary mandate that so many people talk about in politics um, versus the idea of the fact that, you know, we have, you know, the American people have decided, well, the Senate's going to be this, the, the House is going to be this, the, the, the presidency is going to be this. Is it actually just going to get into nothing being done because no one's going to agree with each other? Is that what we faced for four years? Yeah. So a couple of points. Um, I think it's interesting because um, the mandate question, I think, has actual some actually has some validity. You know, um, no Republican, a, a Republican presidential candidate has only won the popular vote, which is a statistic. It's not a it's yeah. not a way that we elect, but it's a statistic and it's an interesting statistic. Um, the, the Republican candidate for president has only won the popular vote in our country one time since 1988. And yet has been elected in 2000, 2004, and um, also the, the Trump election of 2016. So um, even in elections where uh, Donald Trump himself or George Bush in 2000 won the Electoral College vote, they lost the popular vote in achieving that victory. So the idea of a governing mandate is is actually crucial for what we would in politics refer to as the honeymoon period. That first year where someone comes in and they've got the will of the people behind them and there's some political capital that there's a popularity that allows them to get some things done. That being said, Senate is going to remain in Republican control. If Joe Biden manages to lock everything in, as it looks like he is, and becomes president, there's a House of Representatives that will be controlled by the Democrat. I've drawn this analogy. After someone has gone through a really bad relationship and they break up with that person. They often say something like this, maybe it's time for me to just take a break and work on myself for a while. And so, you know, the United States has been through a really difficult four years. So maybe with gridlock in government, it'll give us at least two years, maybe four, that we can just take a moment from this really bad, toxic relationship that we've been in and we can work on ourselves for a little while and, and maybe, you know, take a vacation and, um, you know, go into some exercise classes, take up yoga, maybe start eating healthier <laughs> and, and just work on ourselves for a while while the people in Washington 
stare at each other across the Potomac and do nothing because there's gridlock. Yeah. Uh, so one thing in that too, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people talking already, hey, Trump will run again in 2024. Oh. Trump's, Trump's not going to go anywhere for four years. He's going to, uh, he's going to be out there talking constantly for four years, undermining or, or discussing or, or trying to be that center of attention. Um, your take on that? So there's no question he's going to try to become the center of attention. And there is there's historical precedent where um, a presidential candidate has won a single term, lost his reelection bid, and then come back four years after that and won. Grover Cleveland has has done that in our in our history, but it has been a long time since this happened. This is what I think Donald Trump is probably going to do. He is going to either buy or start some sort of cable media entity of some kind. And it'll be the Trump television news network or some, you know, name like that. And and he'll position himself on television and we'll see him doing that until the time is right. And he'll spend lots of money on internal polls and he'll gauge whether or not he thinks he can win. And if it looks like he can win, he'll run again. But if it looks like he's doesn't really have a shot of winning, then he'll back his son. Yep. I think his son, Don Jr., will will run. And I and I you can call this inside baseball to such a degree that maybe most people don't care. But I think if Donald Trump runs in 2024, and I've already seen the hashtag four more in 2024, I've already seen it <laughs> um, out there. So if Donald Trump runs in 2024 it's because he believes he can win if donald trump puts a lot of money and his voice of his new television network behind his son it's because he thinks that a republican is going to lose yeah right isn't that interesting very interesting yeah. indeed i think don uh, jr's geared up to run i do yep yep look i i think the one thing we're going to be sure of is that um politics is still going to be at the top of everyone's mind for a while yet um sometimes we sort of look back at some presidencies and go well it you know, there's always things happening, but that was a relatively peaceful sort of four years. I, I, I don't see that going forward for the next probably decade of U.S. politics. You know, um, I think all of us have these moments in our lives where once you've gone through them, you get like this. Um, so so I, I, for years, I've come out of a life of substance addiction. OK, so we have what's referred to as a moment of lucidity. And that's sort of like where you get sober and you stop and you take stock in what's happened and you go, what was that all about? Mm. I wonder if six, eight, 10 years from now, we'll look back on 2016 to 2020 and we'll just shake our heads and go, what were we thinking exactly? Does anyone remember what was that all about? And we'll sort of laugh and you know, and then move on and hopefully have learned enough from our history to not replicate this season of our lives to such a degree, uh, not to disparage the policies of the president, because I think good people can differ over policies, but the manner and methodology with which our politics was being conducted by one political party over the past four years is something that, in my personal opinion, I think that there really just isn't any space for that in a civilized country. Yeah. 
Jeremiah, it has been an absolute uh, privilege for us to have you uh, speaking into our worlds the last five weeks or so. We thank you for doing this bonus edition with us as well. Uh, thank you again for the time, the insights, the wisdom as well. Uh, we so appreciate it. I, I appreciate it being on. Uh, look forward to being on again. And if I'm on a week from now, then you'll know that something catastrophic has <laughs> actually gone wrong in our court systems. But I really hope that we're talking about politics four years from now. Yeah, sounds good. Jeremiah Beck, our U.S. correspondent, all things U.S. elections here on 89.9 The Light.